Here's an interview I did with Matt Harmon from Yahoo Sports where we talk about rookies. We talk about Josh Allen, the quarterbacks in 2021. We go over a, a plethora of topics. It's a 30-minute long interview. Um, Matt Harmon's a great guy. Does great work over at Yahoo Sports, so check him out. But here's the interview with Matt Harmon. In 17 years professionally doing this, I've never ever uh, ranked a rookie wide receiver at the 1.1. It's always been a running back every single year of my 17 years. And this year, my 1.1 and 1.2 are wide receivers, Devonta Smith and Jamar Chase. Uh, I think Chase might be the more prototype you know, guy because of the size, because of the build. I mean, Smith is going to get that all offseason. That's going to be a talking point. I still have Mahomes one. I don't know if you do as well. But, but yeah. Allen, to me, is like right there. These guys are in their own tier, and anybody else trying to get into that tier is hanging on. They're not in it. They're hanging on, like Kyler right. uh, Herbert. This is the Fantasy Football Show with your host, Smitty. Top five running back. You're watching the Fantasy Football Show. There are a lot of players, Matt, that emerged in 2021. There are a lot of players that busted, uh, disappointed. Something around like half um, of, of yeah. all the top 40 were either disappointed, hurt, uh, completely, you know, fell flat on their face. Um, but there were a lot of good emergences like Josh Allen, uh, who was not like a surprise, but he definitely, definitely overperformed and, and outplayed his draft position. Justin Herbert was a big, big surprise for a lot of people. What do you make of those two, and who do you have ranked higher in, like, Dynasty? I think right now it's Josh Allen. Um, I love both of these two quarterbacks. I don't think there was a player who really captured my imagination and like my attention and was able to hold it throughout the entire uh, season, quite like Justin Herbert, because he was so much better than we expected. You know, this was a guy I, I really bought into the Chargers offense a lot. Like I drafted a ton of Keenan Allen. I drafted a ton of Austin Eckler, obviously with injuries that didn't really work out as much. Uh, and I sprinkled Mike Williams onto a lot of like late round uh, selections in best ball leagues, especially, but it was sort of like one of those things, especially with Keenan Allen where I was right for the wrong reasons, which is another uh, kind of frustrating thing. Like you're talking about, sometimes you can be right on a player, but it's for the wrong reasons. Like I thought Teron Taylor would actually play above expectations i thought people were being a little a little unfair with their criticisms of him and, and especially with him able to develop that connection with keenan allen i thought this chargers offense was going to be good because i thought Toronto taylor would play better football than people gave him credit for however you know obviously the what happens with the medical staff they puncture his lung uh, he's removed from the equation and herbert was just so good that he really elevated that entire offense so it was one of those like i said situations where i was right on the players but for the wrong reasons, because the reason I was right on him ended up being Justin Herbert. He's that good. He's that type of difference maker. But Allen, on the other hand, man, this was another guy that I was all in on this year. I drafted him a ton. Uh, I'm a big Stefan Diggs guy. I have always believed for the last three to four years that he's an elite receiver. I mentioned reception perception up at the top, the methodology that I used to sort of quantify the qualitative reality of who's the best route runner in the NFL. To me, Diggs has always been that guy. I've been saying that, beating that drum for the last three years. And I think the connection that he had with Allen was instantaneous. It was incredible. And I think Allen, you know, 
he's just getting better and better. Remember at the beginning of the year in September, we were saying, well, let's see what he does, you know, when he faces a team that's not the Miami Dolphins. And honestly, it's funny now saying that. First couple seasons, we thought the model, you know, a joke, but they ended up being a fringe playoff team, one of the better defenses in the league. Let's see what he does against some teams that aren't the bottom dwellers of the ASCs. Well, now we're seeing him do it against the Colts in the playoffs, like absolutely making those incredible special plays. I think this is just the beginning for Allen, and I think he has that ability to compete because of the rushing, especially. And we're at a time in fantasy football where, like, if you don't run, you really can't. Honestly, you're like not even in contention to be in every week QB1 unless you're like a Tom Brady. You have this embarrassment of riches. And even he wasn't a consistent guy all year. Like Josh Allen's ability to run, I think, is going to make him a player that pushes for that QB1 spot every single season that he's in the NFL now. Yeah, and he is only going to get better. Like, And, and the thing about Diggs, to your point there, Diggs is a guy that, that was tagged as an inconsistent you know, wide receiver, but he never had consistent quarterback play. So now that he has consistent quarterback play, Diggs is going to continue to be consistent and he's going to be the definition of consistency. You know, it's it's much like Tyreek Hill. You know, he's so consistent or, or, or Travis Kelsey because of that quarterback. And so it puts him, you know, what, in top 12 overall consideration in 2021 for you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Diggs, you're right. He was super consistent this year, and that wasn't part of his game before. He was consistently clearing 90 yards, and obviously some of his bigger touchdown games came at the end of the season. But you knew based on the volume and the yardage that he was accruing, you could bank on that touchdown positive regression coming at some point. It did yeah. come there towards the end of the year, um, you know, especially in, in several like playoff moments. Managers, we always love to remember that. But yeah, I, I'm I'm very like I said because I spend so much time with the wide receiver position. I'm uh, I'm very radical sort of in my beliefs about you know how you can evaluate wide receivers, and you really just can't throw consistent or inconsistent on a guy based because of exactly what you're saying. Yeah. It's quarterback play. It's offense. I mean, Diggs even said, like, yeah, I wanted out of Minnesota because they were going to – they were just hammering the fact that they wanted to establish the run. You know that his volume is going to be inconsistent because of the situation that he's right. in. Then he gets to Buffalo, a place that – and this was a, a something I didn't even – really think was going to happen. I thought the Bills would still be pretty run heavy. Like I said, I was in on Josh Allen this year, in on Stephon Diggs, but not to the point that I thought they'd both be like top five options at the position. I still thought the Bills would be rather run heavy, but we saw in 2020, they basically just forgot about, like forget trying to establish a run, forget any of that. Like they're a pass first team. And I think even if Brian Dayball takes a head coaching job sometime in the next month or so, I think they're going to probably remain that type of attack because they were that good at it. Yeah, and Josh Allen came out of 2019 as a you know more running-type quarterback. Everyone thought, oh, my God, you're going to get these kind of rushing stats out of him, and he just took an entire – it was like Michael Jordan coming back from retirement. It was just yeah. a different game entirely. And and I love I loved Josh Allen. Actually, in 2018, talk about being wrong when you're right. Um, a lot of times on my bull predictions, which I have a famous bull prediction board that I put up every year, and there's 10 to 12 bull predictions. And one of them in 2018 was that Josh Allen, by the end, by start the start of 2019, would be a top uh, four quarterback in fantasy football. So I was really, really high on him. And, and while he did uh, turn into you know roughly that last year, he didn't quite make it that high. Um, his running did help him get kind of near that, those levels at times. He had a cup of coffee with that that range. But he definitely turned into that quarterback this year. So I'm totally all in on on Josh Allen and have been too. 
Um, and I, I, he's my number two ranked quarterback. And I think anybody having him number one, I don't have a problem with that at all. I'm not mad at anybody that has Allen one, especially in Dynasty. I still have Mahomes one. I don't know if you do as well. But but yeah. Allen, to me, is like right there. These guys are in their own tier. And anybody else trying to get into that tier is hanging on. They're not in it. They're hanging on, like Kyler, right. uh, Herbert. They're all kind of in the mix for that next tier, though. Yeah, for sure. And it's funny you mentioned that Josh Allen 2018 season because I was making that same, like the argument this year that we weren't giving enough uh, credence to the fact that Josh Allen as a rookie in 2018, let's not forget, his top targets were Kelvin Benjamin, Zay Jones, and running back with Sean McCoy. Like to go from that, and this is why it's always important to remember the context with the player. Like you could talk about his completion percentage or whatever, and yeah, certainly he improved as a player going into year three. There's no question about it. But like he went from that was his supporting cast to Stephon Diggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley, and these guys have all elevated each other, and you just love to see it. I just released a video on YouTube um, talking about how in 17 years professionally doing this, I've never, ever uh, ranked a rookie wide receiver at the 1.1. It's always been a running back every single year of my 17 years. And this year, my 1.1 and 1.2 are wide receivers, Devonta Smith and Jamar Chase. And it's, it's not speaking necessarily to a change in my thinking, because I've always been, in my 17 years, a best player available drafter. And I coach people on that. You don't draft on a a situation that you've planned out or a concrete plan of attack heading into your draft. You have to adjust and adapt to the flow of your draft. So I've, I've never changed that. But that goes to show how much I believe in these two wide receivers. And the landing spots could be very, very good for both of them. One could land in Miami, and I know some may argue Tua is going to be good. I personally don't believe in Tua. Um, I think Tua is going to end up busting out of the league. Um, but I think Philadelphia is an option for Devonta Smith. A lot of people will argue they need other positions. I get that. But there are other ways to accumulate offensive linemen. You don't have to take them in the top 10 every single time mm-hmm. uh, to fill that need. Uh, and Jamar Chase, I predict, gets paired back up with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. So we have a, a Chase and Cincy, um, uh, uh, Devonta Smith potentially in Philly, what are your thoughts on these two guys, and do you see them as potential top five eventual wide receivers in fantasy football? Yeah, the wide receiver position in the NFL right now, and I feel lucky that I'm I'm kind of trying to be at the forefront to study and evaluate this position. It's just so stacked, right? Because we can talk about this class of, of Chase and Smith, and I think both of those guys are great players. Uh, I think Chase might be the more prototype you know, guy because of the size, because of the build. I mean, Smith is going to get that all offseason. That's going to be a talking point, that there's never been a player drafted at his height and his weight combination, you know, like a 170 or whatever, um, and he's over six foot. Like, we haven't seen a lot of guys like that. Well, this guy gets open at all levels of the field, confident winner. Like, I would be surprised if Smith – doesn't find success in the league. I, I really like this player. I like Chase a lot too. Both those guys are going to be really good players. So I'm in on them for sure. Um, right now, and you know, again, this, we'll see what happens on the, the rest of the offseason. You know, more study goes into it. I think I like Chase just a little bit better, but that's no shot to Smith either. Both of those guys are really good players, like I mentioned. But wide receiver right now is stacked, right? Because 
We're talking about this class with Smith and Chase, and there's a lot of depth beyond those guys. This is a really good receiver class, too. 2020 was an excellent receiver class. Justin Jefferson was a huge hit. Stevie Lamb looks great. All these guys that were just drafted last year look incredible. Like almost everybody except Jalen Rager basically showed some positive results in their first season. 2019, awesome receiver class. Like some of the best receivers of the next few years. DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, Terry McLaurin, Marquise Brown is starting to pop back up. Debo Samuel's still out there. Uh, and basically everyone except Nikhil Harry, who was the Patriots drafted in the first round. Like th- that was a great receiver class. 2018 produced a bunch of uh, studs that we're still talking about, you know, whether it's DJ Moore, Cortland Sutton, some of those players. We've we've been absolutely um, spoiled by wide receiver classes. Let me let me interrupt you here and ask you this then, because this is the age old question. What does that mean for a fantasy drafter? And I, I know my answer, but um, do, does is a fantasy drafter in a better position to then wait on wide receiver because it's so stacked, or take a couple of these big dogs at the the fir- with the first two picks of their draft and then land those running backs later that are naturally going to be shoved down more than normal because the wide receivers are so good. It's a it's it's a tough. Uh, decision to make, and I think there's honestly no wrong decision. You can win a hundred different ways, but what is your natural inclination to wait on wide receiver because it's stacked or go heavy? Man, I this past year, and I feel like my instincts right now are saying to do the same thing this uh, coming year. And again, let me say, like I'm I'm a wide receiver guy, man. It is tough to pass up the DeAndre Hopkins types. Um, you know, the Julio Jones is early in the draft last year, but mostly did that and took my first wide receiver, maybe in the third round, like an Allen Robinson type, and then grabbed like Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf and Terry McLaurin. Like, I think a lot of that is going to be the way to go this year too. We're like, take a couple of one, you know, one and two, take your running back. Cause you know the deal, man, and everyone everyone knows this. Like running back is more volatile, right? Like these guys can easily get hurt; they miss a ton of time. Like if you drafted Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley, you hate your life last year, right? Like that was a mess. However, if you hit on those guys, Calvin, Alvin Kamara, you you hit on Derrick Henry, you hit on Dalvin Cook. There's nothing better than just being able to set and forget that position. So my instinct right now is probably to again. Take your shots on running backs in round one, round two, and then just start picking off these different breakout receivers because there's just too many of them. There's not too many of them that like players won't be able to find their way in. Like Productive guys will always find their way on the field. They'll always end up getting targets if they're in that right situation. But, yeah, I think that the move is probably to take, take running backs early and then start picking off some of your favorite receiver values in rounds four to seven. Yeah, and but the the crazy part is I don't know how much mock drafting you've done for 2020, but we've already done like probably tw- I don't know 20 mock drafts on my live streams, um, maybe uh, yeah. maybe more. But the interesting thing that I'm noticing that is that these wide receivers being so stacked are shoving players like Clyde edwards Alaire, um, probably the rookies, uh, Antonio Gibson, Miles Sanders, Austin Eckler, uh, you know Swift, Montgomery all these guys into like the third round consideration, third and fourth round. So you end up getting yourself two elite stud wide receivers, especially if you're drafting from like the 12, 13 bookend slot. If you were to go wide receiver, wide receiver there, or if you're drafting in the middle of the draft and you get like Adams and then in the middle uh, of the ra- uh, second round, you take Ridley or DK because they do tend to, he does tend to fall there for some reason right now. Um, or Mike Thomas at like 15 overall, depending on how he finishes 
uh, will determine whether that changes or not. But th- this is what you're dealing with wide receiver-wise in the first and second round. And then you end up getting a Montgomery, who's like fourth scoring running back in 2020 yeah. uh, in the third round. So like it, it, knowing that information, knowing that you could get Montgomery in round three, and let's say Clyde Edwards-Alaire in round four, does that change your opinion at all? Yeah, definitely, because there's a temptation to try to get that number one receiver. For me, last year, uh, I've been I've been putting Devontae Adams as my number one wide receiver in fantasy for two years. So don't give me credit for getting it right in 2019 because I was way wrong. Or I, I, right in 2020, I was way wrong on it in 2019. It is what it is. Mike Thomas was obviously that guy. So – it's all about it's all about the feel of the draft room to me. Like let's like you said, don't go any don't go into any draft being like I have to take a wide receiver here or I have to take a running back here. If you're early in your draft and you see a guy like Devonte Adams was last year, who's not going to go as mm-hmm. the number one receiver, but has the potential, the path to be that guy. I absolutely support taking that and then trying to pluck off some of these running backs that are going to be discounted because they're coming off disappointing years, even if they're still in great situations. I mean, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I love that you're bringing him up because you know, he was the player I was willing to rank aggressively last year. Obviously, things go wrong when Le'Veon Bell gets in the mix, and then he eventually gets hurt. But he was playing pretty well, just wasn't scoring a ton of touchdowns, but was playing pretty well. His last game uh, before Bell got in the mix against the Bills, he was super productive. What rush game? I would be surprised if he has a much better second season than he did as a rookie. Yeah, I like Clyde a lot. Um, I was super bullish on him. We all were. Everybody got excited yeah, everybody about it, was. and for good reason. It wasn't like it was a, a mistake, mm-hmm. I think, where we rectify how we rank rookies. Like I'm like Brett Favre, man. I tell people, I'll go out and throw four INTs. I'll get right back out there. I'm not afraid to be bullish on a player that I really, truly believe is going to be an elite player just because I missed on a rookie or something like that. I think Clyde yeah. could bounce back in a major way in 2021. And the Chiefs, how they use him in the playoffs here is going to determine a lot, just like with Mike Thomas, how he gets used and how he does will determine a lot. People have very short memories. And sometimes that's unfortunate because you, you, as an analyst, you see a guy like Mike Thomas getting undervalued to an extreme degree. And you're like, oh, my God, this mm-hmm. content's amazing for my followers. Mike Thomas at 12, 13 bookend picks, do it all day long. And then he's going to finish well, and then everyone's going to have him back at 8 or 7. Um, same thing with yeah. Clyde. Clyde's a fourth rounder right now, maybe fifth rounder to some people. But if the Chiefs do what they usually do, which is make, you know, like Damian Williams strong down the finish in 2018, give him the best Super Bowl performance he could he could have in 2020 uh, or 2019. And then, you know, now with Clyde in 2020, maybe they've run him like crazy and they, they vault his value up. Yeah, he's like back to he'll be back to like a second round pick. He has a couple great like playoff games or right. something like that. Yeah, that totally makes sense. It happens. Uh, let me give you a couple names. Give me as as rapid fire answer as you can on, on these uh, individual questions here. Jonathan Taylor is he going to continue his success into twenty twenty one at the level he is or higher? I think he'll be sort of around the level that we saw in the second half of the season. Uh, some of the efficiency might come down, but I think once this once the game slowed down for him. Uh, even if he made some mistakes in the playoff loss against the Bills, whatever. Um, obviously, some some soft defenses padded his stats, but I believe in the player uh, and I believe in the situation. Like he should still remain one of the focal points of that offense. Is Swift going to be a a high end running back too, like most people think he could be, or even a low end running back one? Or do you think he busts because, in my opinion, I trust Detroit developing a running back as much as I trusted Peterson and that Eagle staff 
to to give the ball to Sanders all year. Sanders was one of the biggest avoids of all 2020 for me. And um, Swift was also an avoid for me. I'm not sure how I feel about him this year, but I'm curious to know if you think he can uh, step up and, and really kind of change the, the pattern here of Detroit not being able to create a running back since Barry Sanders. Yeah, I like Swift the player a lot, and I think some of the flashes that we saw of him were great. I, I do hesitate a little bit just because we don't know who's going to be there yet. I think once we get an answer on that, we might have some more clarity. Um, the only thing that really – does make me think that Swift could be up there around that range is I really do believe in his pass catching ability. I think there was an affinity with Daryl Bevel and Adrian Peterson. I think the fact that Swift got so banged up uh, in training camp, there was just a, a slow nature to bring him along. We just also, I feel like we're talking about a lot of rookie running backs. So it's always important to remember, like we typically think running back just an easy position to drop these guys in and like they just run off. But the fact that, we had the pandemic adjusted off season uh, this yeah. year and everything was slower burn like Taylor, uh, Cam Akers, Swift, all these guys like were slow starters, but hot finishers. I think that could be a pretty, pretty big factor, even in a guy like Swift who didn't finish the same way as Akers and Taylor, but could be that guy maybe next year. I'm, I'm basically like not leaning too strong one way or the other right now. on this. Yeah. Guy. He's definitely a guy. I'm not, I'm not too sure on him indifferent on, uh, I don't hate Swift. I'm not calling him a bus, but I certainly find it hard drafting him as high as some people are willing to at this point. And, and I always get the, the, I don't, I'm sure you see this too. It's, it's so common in our industry, but like, You'll do like a top five running back ranking or something that your opponent yeah. people will go, where's Swift? <laughs> you know, like very, very, very <laughs> shocked questions. Like, or, you know, like if I do my top five wide receivers, you know, I'll get a, a where's Julio? Like, <laughs> you know, like I'm some moron because Julio has been left Didn't off just- of a very deep wide receiver pool where Julio has a huge amount of questions. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didn't just forget he exists either. You know, yeah. I, I can. I always, I always love when people do that. Well, where's this guy? Well, he's he's not on the list. He's maybe six, seven, eight, yeah. nine, one of the other numbers after five. But I do remember that this guy <laughs> exists. Um. So James Robinson is he for real? And do you anticipate him having like a, a drop in production in twenty twenty one, or does the uh, the Trevor Lawrence drafting make him way more secure? I think that makes him more secure. And I was impressed with Robinson because this was a guy who was all like ready and willing to say, you know, as soon as they turn away from Gardner Minshew and they go to like Glennon or whatever, um, Jake Luton, like this is a player we're not going to be considering in fantasy any, anymore. Until he got hurt, he was really good. You know, even even in the Glennon games, even in the Jake Luton games, Robinson was still a pretty useful back. And the thing I think that was most impressive about him is not just that he came from the ranks of the undrafted and was immediately their starting running back. At different points of the season, he was like the only Jacksonville Jaguars running back to get touches. I mean, ever, and obviously it's not like a stacked depth chart there or anything, but you rarely see running backs ever handle, you know, 90% of the team's rushes or, you know, almost all of the targets. But Robinson was that guy. And so for me, I think he kind of maintains – that sort of value, you know, he might not be a top five back, but he's certainly someone that I think will hang on in the fringes of the RB one discussion. And Eckler, same, same question. Do you believe he's going, he's going to bounce back in 2021 or do you think it is his 2020 season more of like what we might find uh, coming out of 2021? 
Like, will he be a tough guy to bank on for 16 games because of, of his build and, and, you know, how likely he is to get hurt if they lean on him uh, at a full-time capacity? What, what are your thoughts on Eckler? Man, I love Austin Eckler. Um, I, I know Austin pretty, pretty well. I've gotten a chance to work out with him a ton. Uh, this, this guy's a beast, man. I, I know like he's listed at this, that, or the other. But even if he got hurt last year, so you know, maybe I'm just I'm, I'm d- willing to die on bad take hill or I've got take lock on this one. Yeah, you know, we're not talking about a guy in Austin Eckler who would just be slamming into the line of scrimmage between the tackles, whatever. But I think he's really equipped to, to boost a ton of work in the passing game. I think Herbert's emergence is really crucial for him too. Uh, so I'm still very bullish on Austin Eckler. This is a guy I, I was all in on last year, didn't really work out because of the injury. But when he played, he was very productive, a very safe floor type of back. I still think that ceiling is accessible for him as well. Let's finish it off with a, a very, very fast rapid fire. You tell me which player, you don't have to give me an explanation, you tell me which player you like more uh, heading into 2021. Yes. Ridley yeah. or Diggs? Diggs. Josh Allen or Kyler Murray? Oh, definitely Josh Allen. Barkley or Elliott? Oh, uh, probably Saquon. I'm just a little worried about Zeke, just a tad. <laughs> Owning five picks in the second round? But having no draft selections until round 10, what approach would you rather have? A normal draft selection type of draft or those five picks in in round two and no picks until round 10? I love this question because as a, you know, when I'm doing like salary cap uh, auction drafts or whatever, I'm a very studs and duds, like stars and scrubs type of guy. So give me all the second round picks. I'll figure the rest out on the waiver wire and see. That's how I am. I asked uh, Matthew Berry. Um, Scott Hansen from from the Red Zone and uh, uh, one of the fantasy footballers that same question but different and maybe I'll ask you that question real quick. Would you rather have the 1.1 and 1.2 overall so you could get the top two running backs or in the no picks until round seven or would you rather have a normal draft uh, from like let's say the seven pick? Yeah, uh, I'm you got to be a little humble in this industry. I feel like you got to admit when you're wrong. You got to know that you don't get always get everything right. We talked about this earlier. Um, so give me the two early picks. I'll take backs because I know that a lot of my picks between, you know, rounds uh, three to seven are probably going to bust anyways. And I'll be looking for waiver wire replacements, whether it's injuries or I misevaluated the situation. Uh, we always overrate the draft, man, because it's the most fun thing in fantasy. Like nothing's better than drafting. But most of it is in-season management, being aggressive on the waiver wire and everything like that. So give me the two early picks. And I'll figure the rest out. And along by the way. way, McCaffrey and Barkley would have busted on you in 2020. Uh, yeah, it would have been a, ter- would have been a terrible us. team. <laughs> Matt, I thank you um, for coming on, man. Yeah, I appreciate your time. Keep killing And uh, you're doing great stuff. And I uh, hope we can talk again soon. Yeah, I appreciate you, Matt. Take a lap. You guys know Matt Harmon from Yahoo Sports. It's been over five years now that I've been doing this, you know, professionally full time. This is my job. Uh, I got started as basically just like a lot of folks did right now, just another goofball with a website. <laughs> you know, I love football. I love playing fantasy uh, and I love to write. So the year after I graduated college, actually, while I was applying to some master's and then PhD programs uh, for studying social theory, I decided, look, I, this is something I, I love to do from just a perspective. Things happened in my purse, completely flipped the script and uh, went after this full time and 
you know, freelanced around a little bit. But the thing that really got me going was uh, the methodology that I created to evaluate wide receivers. It's called reception perception. Uh, it's another thing I do in addition. Uh, I still do today in addition to working with Yahoo Sports. So you know, that's basically kind of the, the short version of how I got started, how I got here. Uh, and now, you know, with Yahoo, it's doing everything, man. You know, uh, podcasts, videos, fantasy football live every Sunday morning. And now that we're kind of in the off season, it's nice to be able to take sort of that 30,000 foot view to be able to see exactly what happened last year and what might happen uh, in future years. I I love this time of year. Honestly, I don't know if you feel the same way, but getting out of the in-season structure, the very rubric way that uh, in-season fantasy content works, it's almost kind of refreshing to be able to, to unspool the mind a little bit and think about the game from a bigger perspective. Yeah, I'm always pretty honest with my followers and, and tell them that, you know what, I honestly dread the end season. I, I don't I don't <laughs> like it anywhere near as much as the off season. And and because of the structure you're talking about, it's like you have to do these mundane uh uh fifty fifty call questions, uh, you know, answering yeah. these over and over. Do you start uh, and sometimes they're like big name players, but do you start McLaurin or do you start, you know, Chris Godwin? It's like, you know, you're going to get that right. right even as a so-called expert, maybe just over 55, 60% of the time. And and it's like that kind of stuff you deal with on, on a daily basis. It's all timed. And then as soon as January 1 kicks off, I'm here in my studio hacking away at my at my rookie rankings and analysis and I flipped the switch over to, to the twenty twenty one season and it's the best day of the year for me to just get right into the next yeah. year's content. Um so I'm totally with you on that. Um okay. this is the fantasy football show with your host Smitty Top five running back you're watching the Fantasy Football Show. I'm Smitty! 